Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Calvary Live coming to you from the studios here in Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church and grateful uh, to bring you uh, to be a part of your life and to bring you this wonderful program. We are live today. Uh, We are live and we are live with two radio station networks and online. Uh, And that is if you are listening to this on the Grace FM radio network, you are listening to a live broadcast. You're also listening uh, to a live broadcast on the Grace FM radio network. And if you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM or Higher Rock Radio, you're listening to this one week delayed. But all that really means is that you can call while the show's going. Like right now, speak to a live host. All those listening live will be uh, um, listening to you. I don't know why I got caught there. Uh, But everyone listening live will hear the show live and then you can listen to yourself on the radio next week, which is kind of cool. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. The the, um, program really surrounds you calling and me talking with you. And you can always text. We had such a full line of text questions yesterday. Uh, and you can always text at, at the text line is actually open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for prayer requests. And then we hop on for the hour of our program and we'll take questions and different prayer requests live like this one. Uh, we want to pray for Matt Springer. Uh, Matt Springer's had some uh, challenges health wise lately. Uh, and so we want to pray for him. So what, would you join me in praying for Matt? He's a good brother in our church uh, and just really in a lot of pain. So, Father, I pray for our brother Matt and all the things that are happening in his body right now. God, that you would bring healing and strength, especially Matt just has such a deep heart for you, Lord, and for police officers and uh, first responders. He and his wife, Daphne, just used in incredible ways. So give him strength, Lord. Help him to overcome and and to rise above this latest challenge. Bring healing in his body in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. All the lines are wide open. The text line, I don't know if I mentioned it, 720-336-0897. You need to um, save those numbers. So you can always have them and you could tell Siri to call them. So you just know, hey, call Calvary Live, um, text Calvary Live, um, or, you know, you got to change 
uh, change them because you got to use two different numbers. But save them, uh, use them, and that way you you never if you miss them during the program, you always have them in your phone. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Texting seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Here's a text question that just came in. Uh, hey, Pastor Ed, why do some translations of the Bible not capitalize he when referring to God? Uh, all I can say is it's. I don't know specifically. I actually have never read. They give explanations, and maybe some of you didn't know this, but most Bible translations give very uh, long explanations in the front of the Bible of the stylistic choices, uh, linguistic choices, theological choices in their translation work. And I'm just, I'm going to guess, so I can't say this definitively, I don't know definitively, but I'm going to guess it's an editorial decision. I use the New King James, and the New King James purposely um, as as an aid, you know, because with the Hebrew and the Greek, there are no capitalization. We have it in our English translations, but in the original languages, there are no uh, capitalizations. So for us, we recognize what a capitalized word means uh, and uh, as it reflects a personal pronoun and and it helps us. And it's truly just an aid to help us. But even if we didn't have the capitalized uh, H for he or him, the context would show that. So in the translations that don't have capitalizations, the context would surely give you the identity of who's being spoken of there. Uh, so great question. Thank you uh, for uh, texting that in. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Let's head over to Alabama now. Tim on line two uh, is in Alabama, Phoenix City, Alabama. Welcome to the program, Tim. Yeah, good afternoon or evening, depending where you're at in the world. Yes. Um, wanted to ask... Uh, I still can't really find a really suitable answer. I don't think there's going to be one. But why was David and Solomon, and they were probably the most godly kings that they had, they weren't even chastised or spoken about by God in a, in a negative way of any kind, having all them wives and, unfortunately, all them other concubines. Yeah. They were just kind of like let it run. You know, it's no big deal or something. But, you know, we know that that's not right. But sure. God didn't seem to say anything bad about it. Of course, with Solomon, we understand the 700 wives took him out of, you know, uh, field range for the Lord because he started worshiping other gods. Other than that, it, it's like, okay, you can have all of them. But we know that that's not a godly way to, you know, for men and wives to live with a whole bunch of other women or men, you know? Yeah, I, I think that that last part of how you're assessing this, where there's some kind of explicit or implicit approval is just a conclusion, like an opinion, because we know that because God is silent on a matter uh, at the end doesn't mean he approves, because he already forbid it, right? That he's already It's already been forbidden, and whether God addresses it in their life or not, suff- they suffer the consequences. David's family was a wreck. Solomon's heart left, you know, wandered away from the Lord, just like they were warned, right? Just exactly what God said. They chose to move, you know, both kings chose to live more culturally than they did biblically in many ways. Uh, and the idea of God to not publicly chastising it, he already warned them against it. So 
it, it, if he did chastise or he did openly in some ways, you know, in the Bible, openly chastise them, it would only reaffirm what he said, but he already said that. Uh, and the fact that they didn't suffer, you know, capital punishment, you know, because that's another question surrounding this. Why didn't God not only chastise them, but why didn't they suffer capital punishment? And the answer to that is grace. Um, the the truly, it's a, tr- you know, the essence of God in dealing with sinful man is that if we don't receive our just consequences of the behaviors, uh, sinful behaviors in our life, there is um, there is grace. And uh, whether they be stoned for adultery or uh, a lot of the sins that were committed by them, uh, specifically David, uh, the reality is that God is very gracious. But don't confuse the Bible speaking of the failures of men, and don't confuse the lack of. So God says, God says to Ed, Ed, don't do that, and or you'll suffer the consequences. And so Ed sinfully does that and suffers the consequences. Um, there is no necessity of God to then come in and say, this is my chastisement, because he already warned me it would happen. I'm naturally going to receive the discipline of the Lord, the consequences of my sin, and the fact that God allowed it does not mean that he approved of it. Well, I, I can be assured of that, of course, and that, you know that's understandable. He did not approve that kind of... A lifestyle amongst his kings or any of his, the subjects to the kings. You know, they forbid yeah. it. Yeah. But the culture around him is kind of acceptable, which, as well, you I know, don't want to see I, that happen in the churches that we accept the culture around us. It's yeah, but you know what? That's a that's really a good segue. I appreciate you sharing that, Tim, because the culture does affect us. Uh, many things that we do today are very cultural, uh, sinful or not. Um, you know, again, I would agree with you. We we want to be careful that we don't participate in the sins of culture, but we certainly live in the culture. So uh, the, the worshiping church today, you know, and we have to really look at this and be honest. Um, the, the worshiping church today has many characteristics and similarities of the worshiping church of the first century, but also a lot of differences. And many of those differences are cultural in nature. Uh, for example, the language that we worship in, the, we have we have tools to use today that the first century didn't have, so we have that. Uh, we speak a different language, not only Greek or Aramaic in the first century or Hebrew, but we speak a different language. Um, we use, uh, you know, again, we have technology available to us that the first century didn't have. Uh, we have ways of communicating. We have do, new phraseology. We have new idioms. Um, so, yeah, the the sinful part of the culture, you know, carries on and in different ways that sin, but, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways that the culture influences the church that's not sinful at all. Yeah, I understand that, yep. Uh, any any take on anything uh, that you've seen on the Jesus Revolution movie? It's going to be fantastic. I just sent a note today, because I keep seeing my friends um, going to be showing the, the picture, you know, the movie in their in their in their church. And I'm like, man, we need, I sent a note to someone today. We need to find out how we can do that. Um, I took my family to the movies recently and they, they played um, a trailer up on the big screen before the movie. It was a cartoon, you know, some cartoon I went to go see and I teared up and, and because this is, you know, not only do I love and appreciate pastor Greg Laurie um, and I, I mean, I've loved his ministry since I got saved um, but this is our family of churches. We're a Calvary Chapel. Like that's 
our church dates back to Pastor Chuck. Uh, and I was saved in a first-generation Calvary Chapel in Southern California and then had the privilege of moving here to Colorado and planting another one. Uh, and so it's going to be amazing. I, I, I can't wait. I, I wish I've already seen a preview, but I haven't had a chance yet. It's going to be fantastic. A must-see. I don't know what you would call it—a small contingent over there in the Northeast, up in upstate New York. When it came, we had it kind of spread over there from going from west to east. I was in Phoenix and a couple of communes, and yeah, that was a long time ago, but it, it still is memorable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and to, to put it um, well, I did read a couple articles on it, um, and I really appreciate, the, at least so far, the way they've portrayed it that they took the angle of Pastor Chuck Smith being this down-and-out pastor. Because I think that's forgotten. Um, a lot of how God used him in his latter years um, has emphasized, because we are all we get to benefit from God using him uh, in the gospel going forth. But really, I think it was 13 years, if I remember correctly, but it was in the teens of many years of toiling, wrestling, uh, wanting to give up, going going. You know, he, from his own testimony, talked about going back to work and being a manager at an Alpha Beta grocery store and, and just how God exploded in on him. Um, uh, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me and a couple other people at our, our church, because we're you know, a little older been in the Jesus movement in our perspective, in our respective areas. You know, there was little pockets around the whole country that, you know, had, had that effect and, and, uh. Um, well, it was it was a wonderful, strange time. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> aren't we in a, and you know, I think I think that the the discussion too, uh, that phrase you just popped something in mind that it was a wonderful, strange time, and quite frankly, we are living in a wonderfully strange time right now, and it's almost like the pump is being primed for revival. Good, yes, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, brother. God bless you. Bye bye. I'll have more questions later. <laughs> and we'll be here. 303-690-3000 is the number. And so hopefully we'll get some information and we'll get some kind of pre, you know, we've got that big wall in our sanctuary and and some of the best technology in um, broadcast equipment in our church. I'd love to uh, play the movie at our church in some way and um, make it available. So hopefully we'll track it down and figure it out. Uh, if not, it's worth going to your theater. Uh, Jesus Revolution, it's the story, truly, the, the kind of focus is on Pastor Greg's story um, and and weaving together from his eyes the Jesus movement of the late 60s, early 70s, which the Calvary Chapel movement, not exclusively, though, the Vineyard came out of the Calvary Chapel. A lot of great things were happening among the Baptists as well. You know, the G, the Jesus movement was not exclusive to Calvary Chapel. Um, however, you know, like anything, if if that's your family, that's the family you're going to be um, uh, looking to. And so um, we're, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm Hopefully we can get it in our church. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Got wide open lines. Um, here's a text question. Great one. Hey, Ed, my name is Julio. I have a question. I'm sure you've addressed it, but why did God place a forbidden tree fruit in the garden knowing Adam and Eve would eat from it? That's a, a great question. You know, we part of your question, we can, a, we can answer with some philosophical, theological perspectives. 
Uh, but the Bible answer is very, very simple. God placed the tree in the garden because he placed the tree in the garden. So, we, you know, this, that's the simple answer. Why did he? Be, and, and again, and I'm not saying this in any offensive way. You're like, wow, man, you're, I'm not, it's not offensive. It's just factual. God placed the tree in the garden because he wanted to. Or you could say God placed the tree in the garden because he could. It was um, his divine prerogative, I think, would be a good way of saying it. And so the Bible answer is clear. But pulling back the, you know, taking, taking that perspective and coming, pulling back a little bit, we also want to add to that that true love is voluntary, not forced. So placing a, a tree in the garden and then placing limitations. I mean, he could have done it with 10 trees or 10 bushes. Uh, he could have done it with uh, not don't speak to this animal, don't talk to snakes. God could have placed within the garden any number of opportunities to say 90, you have 99 uh, opportunities to worship God and then one to rebel. And that resistance to temptation enhances love. love. True love is not forced. And I think that's very, very important that there is no, like God doesn't force anyone to believe in him. Unlike our friends, uh, the five point Calvinists or even the double predestination guys, as if a, a person can't be saved until God makes him saved. Like he has to, he doesn't have a choice. Uh, whatever the mystery is between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, God doesn't make anyone get saved against their will, nor does he make them get saved and then pretend that it was their free will or, or anything like that. Or uh, he doesn't give, he doesn't make someone born again first so that they can be born again. They don't, they're not born again twice. Um, and I think that we see that in the pattern uh, in the garden. They were given life and fellowship. They were given an opportunity to worship or to sin or rebel and even after they sinned, they were still in relationship with God, in a rebellious relationship, in a shame-based relationship, in a relationship of running away from God. But the idea that they would be—they were dead in their trespasses and sins, and that means that they have no ability whatsoever to connect with God is just foolishness. Um, it's not true. It's a, it's a man-made doctrine that has become very popular. Um, it's, it's not true. And, um, the reality of their, of, they were conscious of their sin. That's signs of life. They were conscious of their nakedness that they're alive. And again, it's not salvation life, but they're not so dead that they can't resist God or run away from God or try to cover their sin. Uh, so free that ability to make a decision is, is fundamental in any relationship, any relationships that's forced is no relationship at all. 303-690-3000, Phone lines are filling up. We're going to come back to Colorado here. Bruce, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce, you're you're on the air. Hey, thank you, sir. Well, I tell you what, um, uh, other than this, this month when you've been kind of leading us and getting ready for the year, uh, we've been in Acts, and I've uh, seen all of the the persecution the the church has been going through. 
Yes. And reading Fox of, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs yes, uh, again yes. lately. And, and I look at our culture, and, um, and there's, there's persecution coming, I believe, and, and I don't know how long it'll be before it's really open. And uh, first of all, I want to make sure that I, I ask God, am, am I ready for this? Would I be willing to do what it takes? And I don't know what, what, if the church is ready for it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, and I believe that that the answer. Like, like so, as um, as Kevin put it in the call screen, he says, "Do you think the church is ready for the persecution?" So, if we just started with that simple question, here's my answer: yes and no. And I think that some will be ready and some won't. Um, Jesus said as much. Remember when he gave the parable of the virgins, the ten virgins, uh, five were ready and five weren't, and that's just the way it is. I think this last couple of years with the pandemic um, really sorted out the church, was a, 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 a real clear uh, shaking of the tree, if you will, and a separation of those that have a true, deep, abiding relationship with Jesus and those that don't. Uh, and I think that that's what we'll find with any kind of persecution coming through, that some will be ready and some won't. Um, but also, the, the amazing thing is, is that I, I see how God operates so often is that he, you don't have the grace needed for persecution today, Bruce and Ed. Bruce and Ed don't, doesn't have, you, we could say this, Bruce and Ed doesn't have, they don't have the grace to suffer, to endure persecution today because they're not under persecution. But when, they, when it comes, God will meet us there and we will receive a grace an empowerment, uh, an ability, the right words to endure whatever it is that God allows into our lives. I was thinking of the uh, church, uh, the the church that's being addressed in the Book of Hebrews, and they're just wrestling with all kinds of difficulties because of their commitment to follow Christ. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So much so that they want to go back. They want to abandon Jesus. And what does Paul say, among many other things? He says in Hebrews 10, verse 36, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. And I think that that will be one of the keys within persecution for us is that God will give us a supernatural endurance, not only to get through it, but to use it as an opportunity for the gospel. So I'm not too concerned about what God, how he wants to use us personally. Um, we're equipped and we're abiding in Christ. We can face anything. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I, sobering times. <laughs> it is. Like the previous caller that called in from Alabama, you know, kind of, he, he, I forget the phrase, he said something like we lived in weird and, um, you know, interesting times back in the 60s and the seven, early 70s. And I'm like, hey, we're living in times like that right now. It's like the Lord's <laughs> priming the pump for a revival. Thank you very much, Pastor. Bless you, Bruce. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, pretty exciting what God, how he wants to use us in these last days. Um, and if, you know, it's a great question what Bruce asks in relation to the rapture, because I think some believers automatically would just say, well, you know, we're just going to be raptured, and we won't have to worry about the any kind of persecution. Well, not necessarily um, at all. I mean, around the world. Most of the world today is under persecution. I wish I would have saved it. I, I didn't think to save it, but a new report came out 
um, of where the persecuted church, you know, what the persecuted church looks like right now. I want to say it was my friend uh, Chip Lusco uh, that put it out. And so I think we're going to be coming up on a break real quick, um, you know, in a few minutes. So maybe in the break, I will look up um, and see if if it was Chip that posted it, um, that he put something out for the persecution. It doesn't look like it was him, but... Oh, yeah, it is. Here we go. Um, so I'll look it up during... Hey, I'll, I'll look it up, Open Doors. Uh, maybe, Kevin, you can look it up for me. Opendoorsus.org. But basically, Chip, he's a pastor in, at Calvary in Albuquerque, um, just released their annual global persecution report. And as of today, one in seven Christians live under pressure for their faith uh, worldwide. One in seven. Um, so right now, there is massive persecution of believers, just not yet in the West. Not yet. Not the way that, you know, and I saw another um, another report, and this always varies, but 90% of the population lives on, on less than $10 a day. Um, and so there's all sorts of persecution, not just for your faith, but economically and socially and where you are in the caste system and on and on the list goes. People are under great duress and believers will be as well. You could expect it. Jesus said as much. You know, we kind of, in the West, we like, in this world, you'll suffer tribulation. So we say, oh, you know, somebody's mad at you at work or somebody flipped you off because you have a Christian bumper sticker. You know, that's that's not necessarily what Jesus was referring to. Um, it may be all that we're experiencing, so we use it as an illustration. But, I mean, as you read the Fox's Book of Martyr, and there's a that's in the public domain, so you can just look it up and download a free PDF on Google. Just go to Google and, and Google Fox's Book of Martyrs and read what happened in the first century. It might stir you to a holy love and a, and a purity of heart. Um, I think, of, again, we were... And by the way, we have open lines... 303-690-3000. Uh, we were studying not too long ago here at the church in Hebrews um, in the Hall of Faith. And then at the end you know, of the Hall of Faith, he talks about others that were tortured, uh, not accepting deliverance, uh, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of mockings and scourgings and chains of imprisonment. Others were stoned and sawn in half. They were, others were tempted and slain with the sword. Others wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. It's much more than just being made fun of at the water cooler uh, at work or not getting a promotion. And I mean, this stuff is serious. And our believe our friends around the world, our, our Christian brothers and sisters, are facing stuff like this. When we were doing all kinds of ministry in Egypt, in Cairo for many years, I mean, and, and taking teams out there and ministering to the persecuted church in Cairo, um, we saw it firsthand. Um, it was brutal. Um, in the little, uh, it wasn't little, but in a large complex in Cairo, um, similar to what we might refer to as the projects in the inner city, in any big inner city, well, Cairo had their uh, type projects, type of, as far as the eye could see, and the church uh, was given, uh, or in some way, I don't remember how he got it, but he got two units or three units in this where he could make it a little church. 
But then directly across the street was a mosque in another apartment with a big uh, speaker. And then on either side to the left and right was, were other mosques that they got little apartments with speakers and they would just blast. And then they would break in the, and in the roof um, because the doors would be locked. But then they broke in the roof and they had to put bar. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable just to see that. And that was about 10, 12 years ago. Um, so great question. We need to be prepared, ready. Abiding in Christ will put us in the best position. And you hear the music. We're coming up on the first and only break of the program. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, pastor of Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado. And we will be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program coming to you live from the studios here at Grace FM Colorado. Grace FM Colorado is a network of two stations covering about 80, 80% of Colorado's population. If you're up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way south to Pueblo, we want to welcome you. On the dial here in Colorado in the Denver metro area, it's 89.7. And then down in Colorado Springs, you guys are listening on 101.7. And you can listen to our broadcast. Uh, you can listen to our daily radio program anywhere around the world on gracefm.com you gracefm.com or you can download our free app uh and then of course we have the radio by grace network you're also listening live 80 stations 20 plus uh states at radiobygrace.com is your connection point if you're listening and then we have hope fm truth fm and higher rock radio and you can uh i think it's hopefm.net truthfm.net uh, and and then higherrockradio.org. Um, and wherever you're listening, you can always just Google it if you know the station you're listening to. And here's the thing, as we start the second half, I haven't mentioned it uh, in a while, but we really do need and we really do want you to participate and partner with us financially. Uh, this is a listener-supported radio station, uh, it's also a church-supported radio station, so the ties and offerings of a local church have put this station on the air. And then there's ongoing costs and ongoing bills, and I'm inviting you to participate. To the station that you're listening to, support that station. So if you're listening on Grace FM, please support us on Grace FM. If you're listening on on Radio by Grace, then support Radio by Grace the station you're listening to, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio. It is a church that is putting these stations on, not a major corporation, not a big company. Uh, not uh, And these aren't revenue-generating stations either in the sense that you know we're for-profit or anything. Nothing like that. Our commitment is to keep the Word of God on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worship in the Word uh, in a in a minefield of, of cultural lies and uh, things, you know, just other stations just aren't going to do it. And I know Christian song stations were, you know, music stations are great, 
But music's not going to change you like the Word of God's going to change you. And it's it's amazing to me how, you know, the the other music stations, they're multi-million uh, dollar uh, op- organizations, uh, and they're always asking for money, you know, and then stopping their whole program, like holding it hostage and and then saying give and... Again, you might have a lot of different viewpoints on it, and and I encourage you to support anything that really has blessed you and encourages you, but I'm telling you, there's nothing like the Word of God being taught that will change a life. Nothing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God has gifted the church with pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Music is valuable. Don't misunderstand me. It sets the tone. It changes the environment. Uh, and sometimes you just got to put music on in your car so you're not all upset. But to grow in your faith, to minister, to to hear a word from the Lord, uh, you need the word. Uh, so please support. If you listen on Grace FM, support us. If you're listening to Radio by Grace, support them. Hope FM, support them. Truth FM, support them. Whoever you're listening to, Higher Rock Radio, if you whatever station you're listening to, your support of any amount. And you know, if the Lord's leading you, give your best amount, even in a time like this. You know, but Ed, the economy is so difficult and so hard. Yeah, but you know what? If the Lord's giving you something, tithes and offerings, you always you always have tithes and offerings. Always. You will always have. Um, the Lord will give you increase, and you will always have the privilege of tithes, which go to your local church first, and offerings. So on the flip side of that, I just want to say thank you, um, because I know a lot of people support Christian Radio and uh, partner with us. So thanks. 303-690-3000. We're going to head over now. It looks like West Virginia. Kenny, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Yes. Um, I recently started uh, reading. I'm 56 years old, and I recently started reading the Bible uh, in the book of Genesis. And I was reading, you know, the first days of how, how God created the earth. And my question would be, um, in the garden, uh, in the garden of the forbidden tree, it was. Yes. Uh, uh, once they ate the fruit, uh, and they were talking, it was it was talking about how God was walking in the garden, and, he, and uh, uh, Adam was hiding from him. Yes. And and then he said that uh, that they were naked, and I think that the, that the Lord God asked, "How'd you know that?" But but my question to be. At least in the book that I was reading, it said the Lord God said they are like us. They know the difference between good and evil. Yes. Who was God referred talking to when he said that they are like us? Yeah, that's a great observation you made. Um, I believe that's an insight, uh, a a picture of what is going to be developed through the rest of the Bible of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are eternal because they're God, three in one. God has revealed himself um, as a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're three in one, uh, and that reference that that you read and observed is a little hint of the Trinity right at the beginning. So who is it? Uh, it is the, the the conversation is an int, they call it an intertrinitarian conversation where the Godhead is speaking uh, with one another. It's um, fascinating. Yeah, that uh, I, that that really gave me some insight because I, I didn't understand that. And there was one other question okay. uh, that I would have, and maybe you can shed some light on this also. 
Um, they said Adam was created from dust, that God's three there. Uh, Adam and Eve had two sons, uh, Cain and Abel, correct? That's correct. That, and, then, begin and then they were married. They they got married. I asked the person who answered the phone, I can't remember, um, was Adam and Eve the only two people in the beginning that were created? Yes. They were? Yes. And and, and they had Cain and Abel, correct? That's correct. Okay, then my question would be, can you explain the offspring of their wives? Yeah, the only really possible answer that we have at that stage is that Cain's wife was his sister or his niece or his great-niece. Like, you know, we don't know, we aren't given insight on any other children, um, any any of that activity, right? The Bible's silent. We're only given the information that we need that God believed was relevant for the moment. Like the Bible isn't isn't an exhaustive list of information. It doesn't give us everything there is to know, but we know that somehow in those beginning in 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 that beginning stage of life, uh Cain's wife was a very close relative to him. Okay. See, I didn't know that. I I, I was clueless to that, but thank you very much for that answer. You're welcome. Right. Great questions. Be safe out on the road. 303-690-3000. Kenny is a trucker. Uh, so what a privilege to be able to talk to someone on the roads of West Virginia. Uh, and I just sent a note, by the way, to uh, Pastor Bill Gem, who is the pastor in the church that oversees and has been entrusted with the Radio by Grace Network. And um, it's just, if he if you spoke to him, he would say it's unbelievably God's grace that great, that Radio by Grace uh, which was just a few stations in Texas. That's how God started it, and then entrusted Pastor Bill with, you know, eighty different stations. <laughs> we just we we chuckle at it now because God is so gracious. It's unbelievable. Back to Colorado now, Jennifer in Strasburg. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hello. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. We are watching The Chosen. All right. And. Um, there was some discussion in the house um, as we were watching the, I don't know if you watch it or not, but they're going through with um, the disciples and Jesus performing signs and miracles, and um, they're able to do it. And we got into a conversation about why it is that they were able to do that in those times when really we have the same empowering of the Holy Spirit. We have the same indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have all of the facets that they had, I yes. believe. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but yet we don't really see those things happen in that, in that way. I mean, we can, we can hear about a miracle or, sure. you know, things like that, but we don't actually see them like they were happening then. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, let's start with um, let's start with the the consideration that just like you like you had alluded to, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, he's still a healing God. He still chooses sovereignly to use people. Um, he supernaturally, um, amazingly, through the laying on of hands or the anointing of oil, it is God's sovereign uh, privilege uh, to heal when He deems. Uh, it necessary or when it's according to his will. And then he also uses you and me when he, when he believes that it is when he, when it's his will to do that. 
Um, and so when we come back to the Bible, I just think we have to broaden the scope right. of the context a little bit. Um, right. And remember that the disciples had a very specific ministry to demonstrate that the kingdom has arrived. Um, so I think that there is a, a heightened, um, compact, right? Because we, we don't have, we, we have, th- they, they were with Jesus for three years, but the their use is really only a couple times. You know, they were sent out a couple times coming back with testimony. Um, you, you don't get, you don't have, the Bible does not declare that for uh, a thousand days, every single day, they were healing people. It doesn't say that. But because right. the Bible is so compact, you know, the Gospels cover three years, um, you, you, you've got to pull back a little bit. And, okay, they had a very unique relationship to Jesus. Uh, no one, none of us are ever going to have that. So there's some uniqueness, even though God's the same, we're not in their shoes. We're not them. We have a different relationship with Jesus in a different time. And God has different purposes for us now, number one. But even greater, this is something that we brought up in the book of Acts, because perspective is everything. So if you read through the book of Acts, it would be very easy to conclude that, well, the book of Acts is just like the apostles. They're healing people every day. It's wild. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. Why aren't we seeing this today? Um, but then if you look at the book of Acts and compare two things, two, two facts about the book of Acts. Number one, a careful counting of the miraculous in the book of Acts, you'll probably come to the number of 30, 30 or 31. You know, sometimes there's a little deviation, but there's thir- let's just say there's 30 for the sake of math of uh, miracles that are recorded in the book of Acts. But the way you read the book of Acts, it seems like it's every moment of every day. It's like, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. Yeah, they're, they're, they are individual miracles, but they're they're happening over the course of 30 years. The whole book of Acts covers thir- about 30 years of history. So if you did the math, just with what God reserved for us in the book of Acts, you know, for perspective's sake, God wants to show us one miracle a year. It's not like okay. they was happening every day. I mean, you think of, uh, what, what did we just finish? Uh, I forget what chapter it was. Let me look it up real quick. But you've got Peter and John going up into the temple, and they are um, they, they see the, the man that's there um, that's oh, yeah, at, right. in chapter 3. Well, that happened on that day, but not every other day. They walked by him every other day they went that's up there. True. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think perspective helps. So that we recognize that God is doing all kinds of dramatic, miraculous things all around us, um, just like he did with the disciples, except that they did have a different role than we do. And then thirdly, I think culture has a lot to do with it, because we were raised in a very, uh, what's the word I want to use, um, a very skeptical, rational uh culture where everything has to be explained and we're skeptical of everything. And, and I think that we're not in a position to be used by God in the miraculous. We don't have the faith for it, or we're skeptical of God, or when we're praying, we don't really believe it. And so God says, I'm not going to use that. Um, and I think that's, that's a big deal in the church today. You know, I'm more worried about my job than I am someone that's sick, or I'm more worried about, um, my retirement than the person that's sick next to me and, you know, whatever the things that might be distracting us that God is ready to 
God is ready to use us in the miraculous. We're just too skeptical of it. Well, that's, that's helpful. It's just interesting because, you know, some of the things we were discussing is like every, you know, there's lots of um, thoughts on it. You know, different people have different thoughts on it. And um, some people think if you have, you know, because in some of the Bible even, and he says, your faith has made you well. Yes. Um, so, so it can make you feel like, oh, it's my faith. If my faith is just strong enough, then, then you know, whatever could happen. Well, and so, again, that's where perspective comes in. And then even right. from, from where you're coming from and God leading you and growing you and um, strengthening you in the word, like I think that we, we want to step back and say, okay, let, let's, let's understand something here. Um, we've all, the Bible says that as believers, we've been all given a measure of faith. So we have enough faith that God has given to us to be healed. He's given it to us. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it doesn't need to come. Uh, in any way, but he will use those situations to draw us out. But then we also have examples where faith has nothing to do with healing. That we think of the guy that was that was um, carried on a mat uh, through the roof um, to lay in front of Jesus in that Bible study. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't his faith. He had no ability to get there. It was his friends. Um, yeah. But ultimately, how we land on this is. And again, I think from the charismatic point of view, the Benny Hinn type of extreme on something like yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Is it the sovereignty of man or is it the sovereignty of God when it comes to healing? And of course, the Benny Hinn style and that people that lean in that direction, it's all about man. So you get you leave guilty, sh- you know, filled with shame. I mean, you know, weird doctrines like you should never be sick, you should always be rich and just nonsensical stuff, just so unbiblical, uh, and and forgetting that any healing, every healing, is a touch from God. Period. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's where I would. That's where I, that's that's the that's where I would lean. I think yeah. our culture <laughs> definitely has messed with us, and you know the we we don't really believe in the depth of the supernatural, like people do in the third world, we we're, we fill our lives with everything else. And even now with social media and stuff where third world countries can have same access to stuff that we are, their heads are getting all jacked up and they're walking away from the supernatural as well. And, you know, this rationalism uh, really has hurt us. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Well, thank you. That You're welcome. That's helpful. And, Bless you guys out uh, in the middle of nowhere. Ah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Have See you later. Bye bye. 303-690-3000. Of course, you guys that aren't in Colorado, Strasburg is out on the eastern plains. So Aurora is an eastern suburb of Denver. But then after Aurora, as you're traveling east, are the plains and the flatlands into Kansas. And then scattered uh, in the Colorado plains are wonderful towns like. Watkins and Bennon and Lyman and Strasburg and a lot of little towns is, that have close proximity to Denver. So you can commute into town. I'm sure every community has those. Um, but you can also be out by yourself and have some open space. And a lot of people in our church love uh, to live out there to get some open space. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, is uh, 
Teresa still on in line three with New Jersey? Teresa, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hey, I'm welcome. Here. You're on the air. Um, my question was uh, for modern-day Jews. Uh, my husband and I have been reading a lot through the first five books of the Bible and mm-hmm. how um, there is so much atonement for sin. And the modern-day Jews who do not believe Jesus was the Messiah and the ultimate atonement for all sin— how do they atone now? So in, in a theological sense, the theological answer to your question is they don't, they can't. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So there's no temple, there's no tabernacle, and there's no annual sacrifice of on the Day of Atonement. So they don't Aren't have they any... Are so concerned about that? Well, um, because most of Israel is secular. Most people living in Israel are secular. Um, Their relationship to God is very ritualistic. And so when it does come to atonement, so now that was the theological answer. The practical answer um, is even as we're going to be heading to Israel in a couple months ourselves, and people on our group will be able to see this with their own eyes, uh, because we go to the Temple Institute, you know, as one of the stops on our tour, um, but on a practical level, what atonement has become for the secular religious Jew today is this uh, arbitrary measurement of good deeds. Mm. Um, I can't remember the word. There is, they have a phrase for it. Um, there is a Hebrew phrase, and maybe somebody could text it in to me, where it refers to their good deeds. And and as you're walking around the city of Jerusalem, you'll have many people come up to you and not only ask you for money, where you could throw a shekel in there and that becomes a good deed, uh, but some will be asking for money and then in exchange for some donation, they'll give you a red string to tie on your wrist. And you'll see uh, many Jewish men and women uh, collecting those red strings. We tell everybody in the group, don't don't do that. You know, there's a lot of pickpockets and there's a lot of people there. It's, we don't know, just don't even, don't, you don't need to, um, they, they, they do very well. You don't need to do that, participate in that. Um, but the, for the Jewish mind, many people are wanting to, especially as the day of atonement, uh, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, uh, comes near for them that you'll see a lot of great good deeds. You'll see giving of food, you'll see helping your neighbor, You'll see the giving of extra wine during Shabbat. You Just a lot of good deeds because it, at the Day of Atonement, you'll stand before God and go, well, I did more good than bad this year. Therefore, I receive your atonement. It's something something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it was just mind-boggling when we're reading through, like, so many rules and regulations and a sheep for this and a ram and a goat and doves and, you know— it, the priest must have been killing all day long. It was a very bloody profession. You're absolutely right. That's a great observation you make on the text. It was a very bloody thing. Yes. Um, you know, from Josephus that, talks. From, you know, that's, they're forgiven that way, and that was through the Lord's rules. To, I, we were thinking, how in the world, what do they do today? You know, how can they get forgiven when i mean we know it's jesus but if they don't believe jesus was who he was i would imagine they would still have to do something like that 
if they're, you know, to, to atone for their sin, but it's not happening. In the temple, a good you know, deed. <laughs> when we take people to the Temple Institute the, and we we sit through their presentation where they have all of the elements ready for the rebuilding of the temple, they really do believe that the temple will be the place of unifying the world. Uh, matter of fact, they really believe the place of the temple is more important than God, um, that the actual building, like it's going to be um, used uh, by God as the unifying place. I mean, just just what God is very similar, I would say, to what God has laid, laid out of, of the work of the Antichrist in the last days. But the this idea of good deeds, uh, and someone, I don't know the phone number, texted it in, it's called a mitzvah. So toward the day of uh, Yom Kippur, you have a lot of people wanting to do a mitzvah, having a good deed, so that at the end they could say before God they have more good deeds than bad. Wow. Well, thanks for clearing that up for me. You're welcome. Great question. <laughs> thanks. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. From New Jersey, we're going to come back to Colorado. Uh, it looks like Jason is on the line in Littleton. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hey, um, so I've been wanting to call in about this one because it's just been kind of pressing on my heart. I work with a lot of Arabs, and um, yes. you know, obviously, most all of you know, most all Arabs are uh, uh, are Muslim, yep. and this is all in my work capacity. And I'm always, you know, there are, you know, their religion, of course, is very much ingrained in their culture, and so, you know, there's always this this part of me that's like. How would I possibly witness to a Muslim, considering that I've read about, uh, you know, obviously they, they, you know, they, they believe that Jesus was a prophet, Jesus is in the Quran. However, when they've, I've learned about uh, how they believe Jesus died in this, I guess it's a transfiguration or something like that, which is really, really interesting to read in Bazaar. But how to how to kind of share that with them yeah. and you know i guess another part is i know that sammy tanago made that you know it has that book of uh you know glad news for you know my muslim friend yes. or whatnot but i'm just like thinking how do i even open that door without being offensive to them considering how deeply ingrained their faith is to them yeah i i first of all great approach you know great question one of the reasons i was going to say Number one, how do we how how do we become effective witnesses of the gospel? Is number one, we need to know the Bible. So, really, as you're prayerfully reading the Bible, not reading it for the Muslim, not reading it for the Buddhist, or just reading it for you, um, including your prayers. Uh, uh, ask God to give you memory. Ask God to implant those truths in your heart, so that when you are talking to someone no matter what their background is, that the Holy Spirit can use that in your life. So be a man of the word. Then number two, uh, if you are mature, and it sounds like you are, re get some resources that will equip you to understand what a person believes. Because you're you're a, a bridge builder. That's the whole thing. You're a bridge builder. And you want to learn how to build a bridge into someone's life for the sole purpose of of talking with them and then bringing them back with you over the bridge. Um, and so the position of arguing or the position of anger or the position of superiority or any of that, I don't hear that in you, but for the sake of everyone listening, 
like that's not that's not going to make progress that's not going to build a bridge but kindness and friendliness and curiosity so how do you approach let me let me give you because we're almost out of time let me give you another resource and then one little tip um so definitely connect with sammy tanago he is the real deal you hear him on here on grace fm he is the real deal um his website is gladnewsministry.org gladnewsministry.org and then another essential resource you need to pick up is a book called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Muslims. Reasoning from the Scriptures with Muslims by Ron Rhodes. And again, the, his series of books like this uh, help you under, how, learn how to ask open-ended questions for the sake of further dialogue to make them think and search their own scriptures and have to have an answer for the inconsistencies of that. But I think the the way that you want to approach and the way that I want to approach people is respect them for who they are, created in the image of God, and then come with a curiosity and say, I've been working with you all these years. Are you a religious person? Oh, no, not really. Well, that does that mean you're not a Muslim? No, I am a Muslim. Really? You know, I've never really had the chance to talk to a Muslim Tell me about what your beliefs are. I mean, you'll be amazed how many people would love to talk with you. But call me back next week and we can talk more because I'm out of time. They're going to cut me off right now. Okay. Bless you, brother. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me. I went again all the way to the last 10 seconds of the program. Come to church this week, calvaryco.church. Whether you're in the Denver Metro or somewhere else, you can always connect with us. Download our free app. Put my name in your app store, Ed Taylor. Download the app. Turn on. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.